Well, it has arrived yet again, my favorite time of the week. The time of the week that I get to chat to the man who I refer to, or I think is the most knowledgeable Eagle fan, this side of the Western Hemisphere. He is a 94WIP show producer and the host and co-creator of the Birds IQ podcast. As you can see in here on EOP, edgeoffilly.com, Mr. Kyle Quinn. Kyle, good afternoon. What's up? Good afternoon, Matt. Pleasure to be with you today. It is always a pleasure for me to be with you, Kyle. And right before we start today, uh, the last time, I again, we spoke was about 10 days ago. It's been a minute. And it was before the Zach Ertz trade. So before we get into this, Kyle... What is your thoughts on Zach Ertz as he is no longer a Philadelphia Eagle? Yeah, well, I, there's not really much I can say about Zach Ertz. It has already been said this past week. He's an Eagles legend. He's an Eagles Hall of Famer. Um, probably one of the best tight ends. He probably is the best tight end the Eagles have ever had. He's uh, probably one of the best receivers just in general that the Eagles have ever had. I know he's 11 short of uh, of Carmichael and, and seeing him getting all emotional about that and saying he'd come back and break that record. Yeah. You know, heartbreaking stuff because he'll uh he'll, he'll always be an eagle to me but um it, it's good to see him go to a place like arizona where you know it, it seems like they're gonna have a real shot at winning something for him so you know, at, at this stage in his career I just, I just want the best for the guy yeah and I, I think that we both agree that he is definitely a future eagles hall of famer uh but the question i have for you do you think number 86 might hang in the rafters lincoln financial field and is zach Ertz a, a football hall of famer at this stage of his career yeah, I, I've thought about it a lot, and I, I just don't think so. I think if he would have kept up at the pace that he had been for, you know, uh, I, I guess I would say like 16 through 18 season uh, for, for a few more years or, you know, even a little bit before that. He, he broke out, I guess, a few years before that. But yeah. uh, if he would have maintained that pace, I think you could make a case for him. Um, but uh, I just don't think the numbers are going to really be there. Uh, I, mean, I guess the pedigree is he did uh, win a Super Bowl. You know, he's got the touchdown in the Super Bowl. That, go ahead. But uh, I just don't know if you just want to stack them up against guys like uh, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, yeah. and, you know, guys that are in the league right now, like Gronkowski, who are, who are going to get in the Hall of Fame. I, I just don't know if Ertz is quite on that level. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, I don't know if you saw this, and I'm sure you did, but I think it was Wednesday he had his first practice or a practice with the Cardinals, and he had that Eagles uh, wristband on. Um, obviously, his heart is somewhere else. Um, listen, with all the drama we're dealing with in this town with other players, with other organizations, to see a guy like that carrying on the legacy of being an Eagle when he's not literally in another team's uniform kind of makes you think about things and put things in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it, like you said, considering the things that we're going through right now, I, and when people say to you that, uh, like, nobody likes to play for Philly, well, you, you can point at guys like Zach Ertz and, uh, and, and even, like, Jalen Mills, who kept the uh, kept the green hair yeah. when he went to New England. I mean, this, you know, it leaves it leaves a piece of it with you uh, where you, when you go. And Zach Ertz is from, you know, the West Coast, but he, he considers Philadelphia his home. Jason Kelsey spoke, too, and I mean, you, you, you can just see it in guys like that. It's, it's um, you know, some guys have it, some guys don't. Yep, that is correct. And right now we're dealing with a guy who doesn't got it a lot. And uh, we'll get to that here in a second, how this might kind of tie into the Eagles. But let's backtrack a little bit, Kyle. Again, the last time we spoke was on the heels of the Buccaneer game, uh, a game in which the Eagles lost 28-22. There's been a mixed bag, in my opinion, of, of opinions about this game. I personally believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took their foot off the gas in this game, and that's why it was 28-22. I, 
other people were believing that the Eagles showed some signs of life and some signs of, uh, of, of growth or whatnot. I don't personally see it. What was your take from that game on Thursday night or two Thursdays ago? Yeah, well, they were the whole time we were coming back. They were laughing on the sides on it. Yeah, they, they not for one single minute thought that that game was in jeopardy. Uh, to be fair, they probably did let it get a little bit out of hand, considering that you know we were a, probably a stop away from getting a chance to go down and drive to take the lead. Um, that that all got wiped away, obviously, by a ridiculous taunting penalty. Yep. But, but yeah, I, I think the Buccaneers uh, they definitely took their foot off the gas too. So. I agree. And, you know, listen, but I'm not going to take it away from him. Tom Brady was not having a good game. Uh, he, I, that was very evident. But the fact that he wasn't having a game and they were still able to build up a 28-7 what 28-7 lead at one point in that game was, is extremely uh, concerning for me uh, with the state of this team right now. Yeah, I, I guess. I, Thursday games are just so weird, man. I, like, I think the second half, you know, and this is kind of a case against – uh, what we were just talking about. But, I mean, these guys are on a short week, and as we mentioned before that game, four four days is not enough for these guys' bodies to heal and get ready for another game. The second half of these games, all of these guys are getting so wiped out, so tired, and that's when you start seeing real funky stuff start to happen. And I think that's part of what we saw, uh, what we saw last week with not only Tom Brady, but you know, I guess the, the Bucks team as a whole kind of letting us get back into that game or at least feel like it for a brief moment. And with that being said, Kyle, what were two encouraging things you saw from the Eagles in that game? If there, I don't, I don't know if there is any, but what are, what are I, there, there really are two, and I knew you were going to ask this question, <laughs> so I was considering it before uh, before I came on here, and, and I don't have to. I have one for you, and that's that they came away, you know, virtually unscathed injury wise, uh-huh. and that's been something that uh that they've been able to escape this entire season so far knock on wood of course but uh but yeah they've been relatively clean and, and this game was uh this game was no exception to that okay do you have two discouraging things i probably got like 10 but <laughs> oh, give me the top two uh, I'll, I'll start with the two most discouraging things and the first one obviously is that jalen hurts couldn't uh, i mean he couldn't hit anyone with a beach ball nope. if he was out there i, I mean he was really, really struggling just to hit some of those basic throws. And guys were getting open, too. Uh, so it's really not too much of a knock on Sirianni this part. But um, but Jalen Hurts was just – he was just flat-out missing guys. Um, and that, that's part of the ups and downs, the struggles that we've seen from him over these first six games. And, uh, you know, that, that'll probably continue, but hopefully not to that degree because, I mean, he was putrid in that one. And Nick Sirianni himself – didn't really do the quarterback or himself any favors. I mean, I think they called 25 offensive plays before they even had one handoff to Miles Sanders, which is, I, I mean, that's it's just simply malpractice is what it is. So uh, the, the coach and the quarterback both had themselves just awful, awful games. Kyle, are you concerned that we're becoming a national joke of a football team? I mean, if you want to – I don't mean to be, like, rude here. But no. I mean – Okay, so with that being said, if you agree with that, or if you 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 know assume that or whatever, um, are you still firmly in on Nick Sirianni and what he's doing here with this team? I, I, I'm firmly in on just wait and see. I don't I don't know, and I don't think the, the, the book 
is closed or the jury's out on anybody yet, the coach, the quarterback. I, I, I really don't think so. And there's not much you can take away over six games except the fact that, you know, that he's not running the ball at an absurd clip. Um, it, the, the thing that you look for is for that to change over the course of the season. If it doesn't, obviously, then you start having concerns. But as of six games right now, hopefully he takes a step back, self-reflect and, uh, over this long week. And, and, you know, I mean, you know what they say. Don't give Nick Sirianni extra time to prepare. Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. Yeah, so. that's well, we, we got that working for us today. Yeah. All right, Kyle, turn in the page as we do in the National Football League. And even though this page turn was a little longer than usual, but here we are. Uh, eve of week seven, eve of Eagles Raiders, eve of Eagles Raiders in Vegas. I don't know, Kyle. Nothing screams like a get right game to me than a road trip to Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but. Uh, this will be the first time that Philadelphia Eagles will ever play a professional football game in the, in the city of Las Vegas, in Alliance Stadium, that beautiful monstrosity out there. Um, Kyle, now growing up, some of the most menacing, um, when you see like the Raider, when I saw the Raider emblem and that silver and black, I mean, that was world-class football back when I was growing up. Obviously, the Raiders have fallen on some very hard times, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the hard times kind of... Um, they weren't showing any signs of turning over. And then this season began and they, they've gotten themselves out to, they got out to a three and two start. And then they had some drama surrounding their head coach, uh, John Gruden, who has been, who resigned about two weeks ago, but then they go into Denver uh, with their new head coach, a guy who I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Rick, Rich Basaccia, I think is how you pronounce it. I think it's Basaccia, but I'm not hundred percent on that. Uh, you're right. And I don't know if anybody is. Right, but they go into Denver and and they they they, they hand the, the Broncos an L in a crucial divisional game. They sit here a four and two, tied for first place in the AFC West, heading into this game, Kyle Quinn and and, and I, I I really because we don't I, I mean I don't follow the AFC West. I'm not tuned into the, what's happening in the AFC West on a week to week basis. But what is your uh, overall assessment of the Raiders football team at this point in the season? mentioned about John Gruden not being there, I would have to imagine that um, it, it, there's really one of two things that are going to happen, and, and we kind of saw the beginning of uh, what, what could be either of the two happen last week against Denver, is you know, usually teams that uh, will lose their coach in the middle of the season, sometimes they either get, you know, they'll be galvanized and, and want to play for the new guy, and sometimes that just lasts a week and then fizzles out, and the, you know, the, the emotional sting of not having, you know, Gruden, who is that, that kind of coach, for sure. I mean, he made an emotional connection with a lot of his players. So that, that could eventually uh, rear its ugly head and, and, and turn the Raiders' season upside down. Or, you know, they could rally behind this Bisaccia guy and, and start firing off a bunch of wins. And it could start here. With, I mean, they could kick our ass, for all I know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but as of right now, I mean, it's tough to get a, a full read on them. I mean, I, I will say that I think they're weak in the trenches, and that's something that we could definitely exploit. Um, and hopefully with the time off, I think this will be a good opportunity to start changing things up on offense. And I think this could be a get-right game for us. <sighs> okay, well, last time we talked about a get-right game was a couple of years ago when they made that trip to South Beach in Miami and got lit up by old uh, Bearded Wonder down there. Hopefully that's not uh, what happened. You were at that game? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, man. That's, that's good stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I witnessed that one firsthand. So did you see any of the, of the team partying the night before? Can you verify that? Or was there... No, well, no I, was, uh, I was out at my own uh, little resort with the fans of Billy. And 
Okay. Shepard was there. It was a good time. I bet you it was. I bet you it was a great time. I was, I was been there. All right, Kyle. When we start this, when, when we try to get right here tomorrow afternoon in Las Vegas, we're going to be doing it in our all white uniforms. Kyle Quinn, I, I really don't like him, man, and and I, I I don't I don't like him at all. And yet we are not getting away from him. We're we're seem to be picking up speed with the all white, and the uh, Raiders are going to go with their traditional black and silver. Uh, there's really no weather to speak of in Vegas. It's probably going to be about a high of 70. It doesn't really matter. The place is domed anyway. Kyle Quinn, let's get rid of the all-white uniforms. Don't you agree? Yeah, well, I, I felt the, the Wentz whites for yes. reasons just because they're, they remind me of that era. But I will tell you, when, when you were just bringing that up, the first thing that flashed into my mind was Nick Foles dropping seven touchdowns in Oakland wearing the all-whites. I thought they were wearing white and green that day. Ooh. Wait, maybe they were. Maybe I'm misremembering that. I think we'll it was. To, we'll have to double check that. The white shirt and the green. I, 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 I can as we do this. Agenda, they were. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, they were wearing all white that day. All right, Kyle. Injury report. Uh, you, again, you touched on it at the top. The one positive that has come out of the season thus far has been, you know, we do have our injury issues with players on IR and whatnot, but they're not dropping like flies the report is a, another clean one no new ads add-ons we got two coming off uh dallas goddard, goddard has been reactivated off the COVID 19 list and lane johnson rejoining the team after missing three games for personal reasons uh you mentioned it kyle we've turned a corner when it comes to the injuries how significant is getting lane johnson back and then how significant is getting dallas goddard back in his new role as the man at tight end Lane coming back is big, just because on the offensive line, you can really never have enough of it. Um, and I mean, you know, I don't know if you're this big of a statistics guy, but if you just look at the Eagles' record with them without Lane, it's it's a pretty staggering difference. Uh, not although that can change obviously with with age and Lane's play, but um, that they do tend to play a little bit better when they have their full strength offensive line in there. So that that should be a big plus. And then obviously the Dallas Goddard thing, yeah, is huge, especially when you just traded off Zach Ertz. I mean, you would have went into this game with pretty much nobody at tight end because um, I know Tyree Jackson's not ready to come back probably for another few weeks. So, yeah, Dallas Goddard's got to uh, come in and assume that role. This is his time to show that, you know, he's worth what he wants to get paid this offseason. Absolutely. And, Kyle, you were correct. They were in the all-whites. I'm looking at the game right now. So, uh, they were in all-whites that day. So, you're right, Kyle. That is something to – Something to kind of put our hat on the head there. At okay, all right, Kyle. Good, good job, man. Good work. Uh, and for the Raider on their injury side, um, again, a pretty clean report. Um, they got Nick Bowens, uh, I believe, the tight end. He'll be out dealing with a neck uh, neck injury. Sorry. So, but other than that, uh, pretty much a unscathed Oakland Raider team. Injuries should not play a factor in this game. Hopefully, and uh, it's looking like that way. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you forgot to mention Anthony Harris, who I'm not sure is going to play. Yes. Because apparently, and uh, make of this what you will, but he has injured his groin and both of his hands. So. Oh, I was trying to keep this at a PG rating, Kyle, but yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I'm aware of the injury and the connotations that it brings. So, uh, oh, I wish Anthony Harris the best of luck, whatever he's dealing with. Good luck, Anthony Harris. <laughs> On all fronts. Um all right, so Kyle, let's fast forward to about eight o'clock Eastern time tomorrow night. Give me a summary of what you thought what what is going to happen on the field there tomorrow in the Lions Stadium. I, I think we're going to uh, we're going to see a, a little bit of a different offense. I think Nick Sirianni is going to actually go out there with the intention of 
trying to establish an identity. And I think we're actually going to see us running the football, taking advantage of that weak Raiders defensive line. And I think we're going to go out there. I think we're going to win that game. Okay. And, uh, and give me the three keys on how the Eagles are going to do that. I think you give me one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're going to need to get pressure up the middle. Um, As I said, the, um, the, the offensive line is pretty weak outside of their left tackle, Colton Miller, who's pretty much just average, and he's their best player on that offensive line. The rest of the guys are outright bad. Um, they've had to move the rookie, Leatherwood, into left guard, who was already a questionable – or right guard, who was already a questionable pick to begin with. And, um, now he's playing out of position. So that's something that we should definitely be able to exploit with Hargrave and uh, Fletcher Cox. And Derek Carr's not really the guy that he used to be mobility-wise uh, since – his injury, which I believe was in 2016. So he really hasn't been the same guy um, ability-wise since then. So that's number one. Uh, Number two, like I said, yeah, run the ball. So uh, I got this little nugget from uh, Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, The Raiders don't have one single guy on their defensive line, man, that is over 300 pounds. So think about the advantage that our offensive line should have, you know, with guys like Jordan Mailata up front, you know, some of these big guys that we have on our offensive line. We should be able to dominate, push these guys forward five, ten yards, and run the ball down their throat. This, this is the game where you really need to start running the football. And if they don't, then uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really going to start having dark thoughts about Nick Sirianni. <laughs> and then the third, <laughs> the third key to victory here is minimize the big plays. So, as we mentioned before, the Raiders are without John Gruden, who was their primary play caller uh, for years, and now all of a sudden those duties are going to Greg Olson, their offensive coordinator. So. It, the idea with the Raiders is they, they have a lot of guys who can beat you for big plays. I mean, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, even uh, Renfro. I mean, they have weapons back there. Um, the, the idea is to just kind of keep them in front of you and have them run, you know, in order for them to get down the field, they'll need to run, you know, 10 to 12 plays. And that just likens the chances of them making a mistake um, or also calling a bad play. So if he has to call 12 plays, he has to call 12 good plays to get them down the field. It uh, just increases the likelihood of him making mistakes. So you're going to want to minimize all of the big plays. And those are the three keys to victory. Okay. Uh, so in my mind, the three keys of victory, uh, number three, uh, establish a defensive – well, establish a new defensive identity <laughs> in one game. Uh, I, I am not on board with the Ben don't break um, JG defensive identity. I think, we, as you mentioned, pressure. We, we need to – we need a blitz. We need a blitz a lot. I, you know, Kyle, I've thought about this and I've went back and I watched some tape and I watched some film and it is very frustrating to get beat up top and it's very frustrating to get beat deep, but it's really even more frustrating to be on, to have your defense on the field for nine minutes in a drive and then give up a touchdown. It, that to me is probably the ultimate frustrating thing. And with the way our offense is struggling, I think we need as much time on the field as we can offensively. Man on oh man, I don't care. Go man, man to man. I right, whatever. Just just do what you got to do. Uh, so be aggressive up front. Be aggressive on the defense and blitz. Uh, my number two key to victory: Jalen Hurts seems to figure himself out. Jalen Hurts seems to be able to hit the open target 10, 10 yards down the field. Uh, Nick Sirianni needs to put Jalen Hurts in a better position to make those plays. Kyle, this is a glaring stat: Jalen Hurts did not take one snap under center against the Buccaneers. Did you know that he took every snap from the shotgun? Yeah, it's a college offense. I mean, it's the offense that he ran at Oklahoma. I, but you cannot succeed at the NFL level doing that. The, the defense knows what you're doing <laughs> every play. <laughs> okay. And my number one, 
Nick Sirianni. I'm, I'm going to keep harping on this. Nick Sirianni needs to be that creative innovator that he said he was going to be coming in and and show us that. Maybe maybe this is all part of a grand scheme, a big plan of his. I don't know, but um, I don't know, Kyle. I, I'm, I'm fading. I'm fading hard with this uh, with the situation with this team right now, and I'm trying to bring myself back into it. I did say 13 or four way back when, but I also said there was a pathway to 13 wins. It wasn't going to be a 13 win team. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, so those are my keys to victory. But I, Kyle, I'm fading, man. I'm on life support with this team uh, right now. Understandable. The, the only place I'm going to bite back on is is the first point there because I, I really do think if there's one, if there's a week that Jonathan Gannon's scheme that he's been running for these past few weeks is is going to do you the best, it's this one because these these Raiders are you know they have the weapons but they don't quite have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at QB. Yeah. And play call it. So the opportunities for them to make a mistake are much greater than it would be. You know, because I completely see what you're saying. You're getting the flashbacks of Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill just carving us up up the middle and yep, Travis yep. Kelsey. And, and, and I mean, that was just a nightmare. That Now, the Raiders, they can do that too. But the chances of them making a mistake are just that much greater, I think, than uh, a team like the NFC. Now, Derek Hart is, to his, to his, you know, defense, is having a pretty good year. In that, but that was yeah. mostly under John Gruden. We'll see how that, how that can yep. sustain. All right, Kyle, you already said the Eagles are going to win. Give me your score. And by the way, we are both 4-2 and two this week, but I think we're going different ways this week. So give me a give me a score. Okay. Yeah, I'm feeling a win. I think they're going to win 28-21. to 21. Like I said, I think they're going to run the ball. And, uh, you know, I mean, hopefully they can just minimize the big plays on defense. That, that, I think, that score, I think, would be the result of those things happening. So I'm going to go 28-21 as well, but I'm going Raiders. Uh, and I, I just think that right now this is not the place you go to to get right. Uh, I, I just have visions of, Jalen Hurts sitting at a at a roulette table at five o'clock in the morning tomorrow morning, you know, yelling out that Daddy needs to pay the rent and drop deuces. Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I don't know, man. I just he have that image. The last guy, like the absolute, like if I had to take like all fifty for eight, he is number fifty for eight. I don't know, but oh well, he's also the last guy that I thought would be at loss for words. But I don't know if you saw this earlier in the week. Somebody asked him what the identity of the offense was, and he literally had yeah, nothing well, to say. What would your answer be? I, I don't know, but he, he could have given us at least one of his little, like, soliloquies. I, I, I will blame him for not having any words there. I really don't. But what, how does that make you feel that your starting quarterback does six games in doesn't know what the identity of the offense is? Yeah, well, it's, it's not very encouraging, that's for sure. <laughs> so I don't know. Seeing him sitting at a roulette wheel, a roulette table at five in the morning, I don't know. I, I it doesn't it doesn't no, escape the realm of possibility. Anybody else around here does. But I will say, I will say, Las Vegas. That this isn't some. This isn't the black hole. Man. No, I mean, no. There's I gonna don't. be a. There's gonna be a ton of Eagles fans. I'd actually wager yeah. that it's gonna be a pro Eagles crowd at this game. Yeah, this this is really the first really cool road trip they've been on in two years. So I agree. I agree. All right, Kyle, give me an MVP tomorrow's game. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to keep praying. Uh, this happens until, uh, you know, it slaps me in the face. Give me Miles Sanders, baby. Yeah, right. Come on. Yeah. you got to feed the guy. I want to see him get the ball 20 times. If not him, give it to Kenny. Split the touches. I don't care. Run the freaking football. You know what? Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey could be the MVP. <laughs> okay, you just actually, uh, my memory got jogged. Kyle, is J.J. Arthur white side still part of the Eagles? I really don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly asking. Okay, so he's still out there. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Derek Carr. Uh, I think uh, he continues to have a very 
serviceable season, and I think he, he my twenty eight twenty one is an actual come come from behind or uh, not behind, but a tie last second drive type victory, and uh, I'm gonna go with Derek Carr. Yeah. All right, Kyle. Again, this is, leads me up to the my most anticipated segment. It is the question of the week. I lock myself in a room. It is starting to affect me emotionally, financially, uh, and not mentally yet. We're still there. Okay. But um, but I take a lot of time, and I want to give you the best question to get your mind working. So are you ready? Uh, I can tell that your condition is just deteriorating <laughs> each week. <laughs> yes, it is, Kyle. And I hope you know that I do this for the fans. And I'm putting myself out there for them. I hope you guys don't know that out there. So They deserve it. Yes, they do. All right, Kyle. My question of the week is this. I believe it was the day after the game. Uh, I know it was. It was on the heels. I think it was around 11 o'clock in the morning when the news broke that Zach Ertz was being traded. And then about 20 minutes later, the news broke that Howie Roseman was going to address the media. Now, obviously... Uh, it was about the trade and about giving Zach Ertz the respect and credit he was owed and due leaving this town. But a deep, dark part of me, Kyle, thought that maybe Howie was going to mention the Zach Ertz trade and then also mention that he has relieved Nick Sirianni of all coaching responsibilities. Obviously, that did not happen. And it was a Zach Ertz love fest. Now, my question of the week is is kind of directed at people of your profession, the Philadelphia sports media who had an opportunity. Now, I don't know if the fix was in and if the Eagles told them not to do this, but they had an opportunity to talk to Howie about the current state of the team. They had an opportunity to grill him a little bit, and the only reporter that asked a remote question anywhere near the fact of the state of the team was a question in reference to, is the trading of Zach Ertz the first step in a seller's market? The Eagles are going to sell off the team. Howie then went off and said, Blah blah blah. I don't. We don't see each other uh, ourselves as sellers. We're still happy with our team. Kyle Quinn, I want to know from you: Is the trade of Zach Ertz the start of the Eagles being sellers until November second? Uh, I, I think they're kind of separate entities. I mean, Zach Ertz was sort of an object of uh, you know you floated around there as a possible trade piece the entire offseason. Yeah. Uh, I think you know even when he came in, he knew that. Um, he, he was going to be cool, but but they were going to be actively looking for a trade partner for Zach Ertz. Now, and the, the question of whether they're going to buyers or sellers, I mean, I think that really depends on what happens over these next two weeks. I mean, they lose both games and they're two and six, then obviously that changes a lot of things about uh, how they approach the trade deadline. But uh, but hell, if they they get back to four and four, all of a sudden that seventh wild card spot gets pretty juicy. And you know how Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie are; they're not just going to give up on a season if they they see uh, any sort of path mathematically to uh, to getting into the playoffs. They're going to go after it. So I would honestly not even be surprised if if they are in that situation. They're four and four, and, and uh, it's looking like you know maybe they're a game or two back of that spot at the halfway point in the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and bought somebody. But you wouldn't be surprised as well if they, you know, come the night of, come Halloween night, they're sitting at two and six, coming off losses to the Raiders and Lions, and it's yeah, it's sell mode. Would you not be surprised that way either? No, I mean, if it's not, if they lose the next two games, I mean, I'm I'm starting to think about what value I can get from some of these big pieces myself, and you know, that's saying a lot because I don't give up very easily. And what is your take on the Philadelphia sports media lack of? coming after Howie just just a little bit about the state of the team when he addressed about Zach Ertz. Now I got it. It was about Zach Ertz. But and maybe as I said the fix was in, but I I grew up in a different time with the Philadelphia sports media. They would have 
smell blood in the water and they would have been damned. They're going to go ask him the questions. What do you think about that press conference and how he held that day? Well, I, I mean, like you said, that wasn't really the purpose of the press conference. Um, the, the purpose of the press conference was to praise Zach Ertz, and I, I think all the reporters knew that going in. Um, and also, the, the thing that you're wondering about whether Nick Sirianni is safe after the season, but I hate to break it to you, but that's really at the, at the top of your mind and not really too many other people's minds, especially with the recent reports coming out that uh, Nick Sirianni is definitely safe this season. He's not in danger at all per uh, Jay Glazer. He's usually pretty connected with the Eagles. So, uh, I mean, these grillings that you want, uh, I'm just I'm, I'm not really sure where you want them to come from. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm way off in left field here about my concern about Nick Sirianni. I guess I'm alone in that boat. I don't know, but um, that tells you a lot about my fandom. Anyway, uh, final question, Kyle, and I would be negligent in my duties if I did not ask you this question. Uh, there's all kinds of crap going on. And I on this show, I've made a um, – since the end of the playoffs last year in the NBA when the Sixers were eliminated, I told myself I wasn't going to speak of the Sixers until uh, number 25 was no longer a part of the Sixers. Now, I, I've held true to that, but I can't really avoid it anymore. And I want to ask you point blank. Um, with the situation surrounding Ben Simmons and Daryl Morey came out and spoke the other day, said that he's prepared to go on for four years until this thing, until he gets a equal trade value or whatever. What, uh, and we've already saw, uh, you mentioned, uh, Zach Ertz, you know, the wristband and then Jason Kelsey coming out, uh, earlier in the week talking about, you know, you know, man up type situation. What is your take on the continuing drama of Ben Simmons. Is it is the juice worth the squeeze or is the or is Dalamore just posturing here? Well I mean it's an incredible story. I mean the, the content is 